Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for this episode, as usual, are Nick Martin and Tim Kalinowski. We only have a seven-game slate on Thursday night, so not not as robust as we usually get on Thursday. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll forego the underdog segment. Uh, we're also pretty uh, afraid of downright terrified of the regression that's coming after we went three for three uh, with our dogs for uh, Tuesday night. We're recording this Wednesday, so we'll just punt on it for this one and, and instead just go game by game here. And, and we'll we'll note which which game uh, is our, our favorite bet uh, at the end of the show. I will start with the Canucks and Bruins. Vancouver coming off a, a big win in Carolina in which Elias Lindholm, who Nick said was a terrible addition for Carolina, uh, for Vancouver and just said that the team got worse over and over again. He heard that scores uh, two goals in, in the win. Um, they now go to Boston. This, this team just continues to, to rack up wins. The Bruins fell to the, to the flames. One of our underdogs uh, in, in a game. I think we, we had nailed right on like the, the, the flames get a little bit of scoring upside with Kuzmanko, not too sure how the Bruins would, uh, come out of the break, uh, but Boston still is a minus one thirty favorite. A total of six. Uh, Tim, you and I are tempted by the Bruins here, but I want to hear the other side of it because uh, Nick, you you don't have anything here, but kind of mentioned that it it would have been the Canucks if you had to pick. Yeah, I just I thought that the Canucks are kind of getting a little disrespected here, which I know like I've kind of been on the, you know, the Canucks aren't like a runaway Cup favorite train here, but this number to me just looked a little a little too much credit to Boston. I, I think. Really, if you look at the underlying numbers the last while, they're really comparable. Um, and that's talking about a Canucks team that everyone's expecting regression from. I think these teams are both kind of in the same boat. Like people continue to wonder if they can get this kind of goaltending and uh, this kind of finishing. I, I And I think the Canucks have had, if anything, more kind of impressive performances lately. Like I think you, you have to give them some credit for the Carolina game. Um and obviously, Boston just had a stinker versus the Flames. I don't think you want to wait that too much. But to me, this just doesn't look like a fun, like, minus 130 bet at all. I think it's going to be, like, pretty coin flippy and, and pretty closely contested. I'll tell you this. If you're if you're you're on the Bruins, it sounds like. But, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm a little scared off from Nick saying that uh, the Canucks are getting a little disrespected. Because, honestly, I kind of agree. Um, you know, if you look at the if you power rate these teams, I probably put Canucks over the Bruins and this line is telling you that's not totally the case, but I actually am Nick going to put a lot of stock into the Bruins stinker against Calgary the other night. I, one of just the all time biggest duds I've seen the Bruins play in a long time. And I'm kind of going to give them a mulligan in terms of the post all-star break. And like, it was just real bad. 
not going to overreact to it, but I do think, you know, in terms of turning it around, like we just didn't see uh, the real Bruins the other night. And, and though that they haven't been perfect and they haven't really been playing to, you know, their odds in terms of Stanley cup and whatnot. I just think that, um, I think it's a good spot for the Bruins and talk about post all-star break Canucks who had like half their team playing in the all-star game. They get out of the break, go down to Carolina and now up to Boston. Like, you know, I don't think it's like the worst, like, Oh my God, these guys are so tired. It's just, it's kind of a lot. They didn't really get a break. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think on like kind of the post all-star break note, and this will be even more relevant because we still have like some of these teams that are coming off like 10 day layoffs that are going to play on Saturday. There was really only like, like there was a lot of teams that looked pretty not ready to go last night. There were some pretty wonky games and results. And uh, I think, yeah, the Boston one was probably the most obvious one where it just didn't feel like they were getting after it the way the Flames were. Like that was like, the Flames are ready to go. They wanted that. And I think it just, it did feel like more than anything, it was kind of not the Bruins night. And uh, they just, they weren't sharp. I don't know if they thought they were just going to come out and walk all over Calgary, but Calgary's winning all the little races, every 50-50 puck. And it uh, yeah, obviously wasn't a typical Boston performance. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, it's a good bounce back spot here. At, at one minus 130 is like the, as far as I'd go, I wouldn't want to bet against Vancouver with, uh, you know, much more juice than this. I, I just trust Boston in these kind of situations. It's, they're a team that, you know, in a weird way are kind of just, you can cover up the numbers and whatever, and just trust their ability to do enough to win on, on a consistent enough basis. And that's how they've been. And it's, it's hard to admit it because we usually are betting against them because the numbers are usually lagging behind their actual record. Um, but, you know, this is one of the times, one of the few times that uh, I'll, I'll take a, take a shot with Boston, uh, maybe like my third or fourth bet on them all season. I just found uh, like a pretzel in the like hotel floor here at my feet. It's not, and I didn't have pretzels. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, Tim Tim is in Vegas. Um, let's check out the the mom museum and uh, get get post-game reaction from, from Knights and Oilers. Uh, <laughs> Avalanche and Carolina up next. The the Canes, they come out of the break. They host Vancouver. Now they host Colorado, who's going to be playing their third game uh, in four nights. They lose in overtime to New York Rangers. They lose in, with two minutes left in regulation against the Devils in a, in a very strange game. Uh, now they head to Carolina uh, as a plus 120 underdog. The Canes are minus 142. Uh, total here is six and a half. Nick, you like the over, but I'm going to just make a case real quick. I like Colorado. Um, I think Carolina, we know like they're really solid. Uh, you know, they're cup, one of the cup favorites. They deserve to be up there. The numbers look good. But the the thing that scares me here is that Colorado just, this is the type of game where Carolina can own five on five and they can crush the minutes without McKinnon and Ranton and McCarr on the ice and still lose this game, you know, four, three because of the disparity between um, finishing. Um, and I think that's enough actually in, in, a situation where the goaltending could be a wash. And if it's not, it's likely going to be a better situation for uh, Colorado. Um, so I like the abs here as, a, as an underdog at plus 120 or better. What uh, what do you got? Yeah, I actually like the Hurricanes here. Um, if you look at the last 10 games, Carolina is seventh in uh, expected goals for, so they're generating a ton. And I, I think that makes sense. When you look at the offense, it's, there's, it's pretty deep. There's some big names playing really well. Ajo's had a really good stretch. Um, Natchez is finding his game. Like I look at this unit and I can see why they're generating a lot of chances. 
And I think that can continue here. And like you said, they're going to have some huge matchups down the lineup. There's, I don't even think these teams are in the same world. And like they're kind of just a complete opposite build right now. And then Colorado obviously has their top guys rolling at such a ridiculous level. But they don't have the depth Carolina has. I think down the line... Down the lineup at home, Carolina should be able to get theirs offensively. Both goaltending situations are pretty questionable. So um, same kind of spot as the Avs Devils. I think that it's just one where both teams, I, I like their chances of contributing to this projection. Um, and I think something like 4-3 or 5-3 makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I, I do like the over here. Yeah, I totally think you're on the right track with the over. <clears throat> I would... Uh... I was really tempted to bet Carolina leave off um, for the first reason you said in the three and four for Colorado, another, just here we are another situation where the avalanche are just playing their top guys. So many minutes, like, you know, you, they go to overtime against the Rangers on, on Monday. And I, again, I know it's overtime, but you got McKinnon 25 minutes, like McCarr 25 minutes. It's just, I don't know how you can sustain this, especially when you're running into, you know, they ran into a desperate New Jersey team. Now they have a Carolina team that's, you know, kind of surging and getting it right. Like, I just don't know if I would go to minus 142 on it, what I'm looking at right now. But I, I don't know if it dips below I 140, maybe I will. I don't know if it will, but I'm really tempted on, on Carolina. Just, you know, talk about guys that had players playing in the all-star game. I mean, those guys are all doing are all doing suicides, like you know, doing their all star skills competition. So uh, no, no days off for them. Yeah, and the one last comment I'll throw there too. It hasn't fully shined through yet, but if you remember at the start of January, we were talking about how Colorado had played the biggest cakewalk of offensive teams throughout December, and I thought that that really boosted their defensive play and their underlying numbers. Mm -hmm. And in the last ten games, Colorado. Um, in terms of expected goals against for 60, they're 10th worst. And I think it's looked that bad because I think the problem is you don't have enough guys pulling like that are going to control play and keep the puck out. So to me, it feels like they kind of could be getting criticized a little more on that front. They found a way to win some of those games. Uh, they found a way to score the way out of trouble in some of those games. But I think it's looked like that. Like when I look at through the games and the ones I remember, it does feel like they've kind of scored the way out of the trouble, if not more than like people are even thinking and Georgiev's kind of stabilized and been okay. And that almost like, I think works in the favor of this. It's just like, they're, they're really not that good of a defensive team right now. So if Carolina can get theirs and kind of force the big guns for the abs to get going, I, uh, I like that. Uh, okay. Uh, Nick, you declared the season over for the Washington Capitals on Shh. Tuesday night after a loss to Montreal. I don't think that that's uh, a crazy, uh, thing to say at all. Uh, they also will be without Evgeny Kuznetsov, who's in the player assistance program now. They are a chunky underdog in Florida against the Panthers. Washington plus 200. Florida coming off of a, a loss to Philadelphia, minus 245, and a total of six. Florida has now gone um, a couple games in a row without scoring a five-on-five. Five. They scored two power play goals against the Islanders in that overtime win, and then a three-on-three three, uh, goal, and then just the power play goal for Carter Verhage in the first against the Flyers, and, and that was that. But I didn't really see much wrong with Florida and in, in, in especially in the first game back and um in that situation against a, a desperate Flyers team that had just lost five in a row and you know it's just gonna work their their tails off and, and Urson was good. So um nothing to downgrade Florida and um yeah, the, the Capitals to me are they're 
there's going to come a time where you like you, Stucky always calls teams corpses during college football season when they kind of just won't get off the bus. They know the season's over. They're not going to a bowl and everyone's just thinking about where they're going to transfer to or whatever. I think Washington would be the team that would fit that profile the most almost in, in the NHL right right now, or we're at least heading in that direction just because of the makeup of the team, especially towards the trade deadline. We have, I mean, it's, these are professional athletes. So it's, it's like nothing you want to get too carried away with. It's just, they're, they're going to be almost as unappealing and underdog. They're going to be an underdog a lot um, as any other team in, in the NHL. So it's a, it's a pass for me, um, Nick, but I could see a lot of people just saying that Florida's going to have their way here. Yeah. And Florida's so like, they're pretty offensively sound in terms of like turning run of play into like actual goals Um, to give the caps, like the tiniest defense of that Montreal game, which was a complete joke, but it's the same, same kind of thing as the Bruins. The difference is the Bruins have a million points. And for the caps, that was like a complete must win, like two points need to have. It really was just like that first period. They came out completely not ready to go. And then they get it going. And if another goalie was in the net, I think it might've been a little different. Um, so shout out to Sam Montembo because he's been absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, that's the problem with the Cavs too. They don't they don't have much scoring talent left on the board. There might come a time to buy on them. I don't think this is it. I think Florida's just gonna bounce back here, like the way they're playing. And especially too, I, I wouldn't hate if like you're actually I don't know, like in the next the four games coming up for the Caps are horrific. Yeah. I could see maybe if this one goes really bad one in the next two, maybe there being a chance to buy on them because they do have the ability to kind of like play a good structured game and Lindgren can provide good goaltending. So there might be a time, but I don't think this is it. I, I'm pretty high on the Panthers. And yeah, it's, I don't, I, I think, yeah, Panthers are pass, honestly. Panthers, puck line or three-way, whichever you prefer. I'll probably go the puck line direction. You guys nailed it. The caps are, you know, I know, Leboff, you're saying, like, hey, you know, I'm not trying to sound too strong here with the corpse analogy. It's just that, like, are they going to go play out the string at one point? Because it's just, you know, Cabo's looking a lot more enticing than, um, you know, Friday night against uh, the Minnesota Wild, you know. So that's that's kind of what I can see happening here. And why I really like the Panthers in this, in this spot is, you know, I'm not saying, oh, you know, just because they lost to – Philly means now it's time for them to win. Not like the roulette analogy. It's that I know they're going to have Florida's full attention after Florida drops a game to an inferior Flyers team first game after the all-star break. It's like perfect scenario for Maurice to get into those guys. Like, you know, Oh yeah. What'd you do all All all-star break? You come back here, lose to Philly. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a coach's dream. You can rattle off all the one-liners. So um, I think it bodes well for, for a, Florida team that's certainly when they play to their ceiling um, can can make it look ugly as, against the Capitals team and a lot of other teams. It's a, it's a funny way to look at it with um, think about like Mon- Montgomery, Bonus, uh, Maurice. Uh, it's it's a shame that that one one of the Flyers or Panthers had to win that game because it would have been great if Tortorella got to do it. But right. he, he already <laughs> had enough rope with the five game losing streak. Um, so. Uh, oh, Edmonton. Edmonton did, can do yeah, it. Yeah, now. Chris oh, Knobloch, yeah. Chris Knobloch yeah. can, can wake up from behind the bench now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, let's move on to the Jets and Flyers. This is a, an interesting, I think the most interesting uh, price on the board uh, of, of all of them. And, and I don't mean it from a betting perspective because I don't, I don't like it really from that ang- from, from, a, from either side. Uh, but the Jets opened uh, in the soft kind of opening market around minus 130. It's already up to minus 155 as we're recording around 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Flyers plus 130 coming off of a good game and a total of five and a half. So it's not like the Flyers are getting much credit for the way that they bounce back against Florida. And, and it's not like people are downgrading the Jets all that much after uh, you know losing their fourth in a row. They'll be without Brendan Dillon, it looks like, as he's going to be suspended. A low total here. I think this one sets up as a decent bet on it to go past 60 minutes. Uh, both of these teams are structured. They I, I still believe that Erson can provide good enough goaltending for Philadelphia, at least in like the immediate term. And, you know, the Jets should have... Uh, should be kind of just on song in because of what we just talked about. Like this is the time where a coach is going to sink into them and they're going to mind their P's and Q's. So I think this could be a, a bit of a rock fight, a chess match and has uh, all the makings of a game that could go past regulation, especially because Winnipeg's struggling to find the back of the net now, Tim. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, the plus three fifty on, on overtime and, and jets and flyers. I think that's a good way to go about it. When we were filling out our little rundown here, um, I was having a hard time with that game, giving any sort of pick, lean, and then you type that in. I'm like, ah, that's that's the angle. That's that'll um, that'll tickle my fancy for uh, what, certainly wanting to watch this game. And and then you know, if I'm watching it, yeah, I'll throw a little action on on that three on that uh, overtime bet. It's um, the same reasons that we just said with like you know, coach's dream. Like bonus definitely gets to do that. And I think it's kind of a lesson in that the books are telling us we're not going to overreact from one game. And if there's a if there's a game to not overreact to in the NHL season, it's the first game back from the All-Star break. So they're they're basically saying to everyone else, like, hey, you know, this is why we're good at this, because we don't uh, we don't watch one game and change everything. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing here too is like, yeah, it's been one game, but like Philly had their slump came with some pretty legitimately bad play. They're getting caved in. So I think that hangs around and, and downgrades them a little bit. I like the Jets at open now. I, I can I would just say probably pass at minus one fifty five. But um I don't mind the tie at all. And it, it's interesting from the Winnipeg side of things, like Mike kinda, you know, he's getting around about the Jets thing. Or sorry, the, the Lindholm thing, and, and with my point just being that it doesn't put them that over the top. But on a more serious note, I think the Jets, I actually don't know where this move is going to go. We talked about it, like they finally play Ehlers on the top line for 20 games. They win every damn game. The guy gets a million points. 
And now they're they're playing him 15 minutes in a game that they trailed all night versus Pittsburgh. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I think we've seen this narrative over and over. And I think it is, it's not like a coaches see more thing to me. Like, I think this is a perfect example where, like, every Twitter person who looks at all this data was like, when Ehlers finally got a chance, everyone was like, okay, here we go. He's going to cook. And then he gets out there. He's absolutely dominating. And then now he's back on the second line. He's off the power play. And it's kind of coincided with this offensive rut. I don't think that's the whole story. But um, I, I do think it's kind of an interesting note on the Jets. But with that said, yeah, I, I, they're, they're still playing good enough that it just feels to me like the right time to buy versus Philly. Or at least they'd kind of be my you know, preferred out of the two sides. It's basically, you know, just to put a cap on it, like I kind of said it in the last show that when we talked about the Jets and that they just, they have time to kind of figure it out and they might be, you know, using, you know, the, the full, um, the full uh, uh, clock, you know, the right. entire shot clock, figuring it out. Like, does he work here? Does Ehlers like they, you know, they could go right back to Ehlers on the power play, you know, who, who knows? So, For sure. they, no. They yeah. And I see that side of it, but it's like, you're also in the middle of a huge race. What's the excuse for him not getting more minutes last night? Like, yeah. I don't get it. It's the, the central division race. And I don't think any game will make the point about how much because people always say, like, you know, you have to go through whoever go through whoever in the playoffs. So why does it matter when you play a team? Like, I think there's always that kind of like people who look at it. And I don't think any game will make the case how much like matchup matters in hockey more than Knights versus Oilers did last night. Because you could just see both teams played really well, and the Oilers in particular, I thought, played really well. But this is also why you don't want to run into a better team, because what the Oilers did would have crippled like the Kraken or or whoever gets into the wild card. But it's not enough to get by Vegas, and you can only play so well, I think. And and uh, I think the Jets are in the same kind of boat here. Like if they don't put together, they are looking at Colorado in, in uh, the opening series, and I think. All the things that the Jets do really well are also why they're only ever going to be like whatever percentage to win a playoff series because this is just a team that's really gets really good goaltending. They defend really well, but that is all always going to make it like pretty marginal and come down to a couple bounces. So I think we're kind of seeing them level off after that stretch of just giving up absolutely no goals and, and winning a lot of close ones. It feels like now they're getting on the wrong side of a, a few of those. Uh, the Calgary Flames, uh, they made us look good on uh, Tuesday night in Boston. Andre Kuzmenko made us look good. Uh, it took him, what, three or four minutes to do so. Uh, Jonathan Uberdo made us look good with three points. Kadri, three points. The, they are now plus 120 in New Jersey, taking on the Devils at the Rock. Uh, New Jersey minus 142, a total here, six and a half. I really wanted to bet Calgary. I thought that this would be, a, a especially with New Jersey winning, and you know, I think you know nobody wants to give up on the Devils, so I thought maybe that would build up their price a bit, but I don't think that this number is, is good enough for me to to bet Calgary just yet. If it gets a little bigger, um, I'll be there. I just think that this this team uh, should put up a fight and, and just be a good underdog, I think, for at least for the time being. So, uh, yeah, kind of like I was talking about with Dallas on uh, for this Wednesday slate. Like, it, I'll probably wait to like the very last minute and see what, what kind of price I can get on Calgary against the Devils because I just think the Devils have too many mistakes in them, especially with the goaltending looking and how it looks. Um, to lay this kind of price against a team that I think is uh, going to be full value for their effort, Nick. Yeah, I agree. And and like that was the ultimate, like we were not dead yet performance from the Flames. And they do kind of have some positives going on around the roster. You know, if you look at it, like like we talked about Lindholm, 
no slight to him. He just wasn't playing like himself there. Like he was ready to get out. And then Kuzmenko looked great. And Huberto had like some people are calling it his best game as a flame. So um I think those are all obviously huge storylines that raise their uh floor a little bit. And then also like keep in mind Shillington is a quietly big piece for the Flames who like has pretty high upside. He's he's obviously gone through a lot, but they didn't have him all year. So I think when you look at it on like a pure roster perspective, they haven't like the floor hasn't actually fallen out. I so I'm kind of with you, Mike. But again, I, I I yeah, I thought the Flames would be a bigger underdog here. Um, and it'd be really interesting. I want to see like if that Huberto Kuzmenko pairing kind of keeps rolling here. I wouldn't hate tapping into that if you're getting some decent numbers and and the Devils they always give up their shared goals. So um, yeah, that's I think I. I think there's a lot of fun to watch in this game maybe a good prop game but the prices look pretty fair to me yeah i'm is there a chance hughes plays i mean i i'm it sounds uh, like saturday i think the weekend okay. they're targeting yeah okay it, it seems like it's getting you know awfully close here so i was i was um that was the first thought i had when, when i looked at this matchup is like um, I'm saying to myself, don't overreact, don't overreact. But when he's in there, they showed like the graphic of uh, the splits the other night of when he plays and doesn't play and their goal differential, their shot differential. Like, I think once he's back, they're really going to get going here. Um, but, you know, it sounds like that's not going to be against Calgary. And, and, you know, it's like, I think there was something there to get as much as I said, don't overreact to one game. Could be something here with Calgary. I, I'm excited to see. Uh, what happens and maybe they're you know a short dog here because what we our inclinations might be might be true yeah well i mean you got to keep in mind too like markstrom one of the top five best goalies in the league this year versus yeah. the devils so right. that's a pretty huge factor Monster that I think, edge. yeah yeah, it, yeah no and the, not to over like the hughes thing when he left they were the top ranked power play right they were up I'm there yeah sure they, they were, were there, first. they were like cr cracking at such a crazy rate for the first yeah, and now and yeah. Then he got hurt the first time. all the way down. Yep. yep. So yeah. yeah, no, I I agree with you, Tim. I think he's one of those guys that really does mean that much. So it'll be interesting to see how much the numbers move when he does return. Uh, game of the night on Long Island Lightning uh, against the Isles. Tampa right now is an even money underdog. Islanders minus one twenty. A total six. Uh, Tampa in Manhattan on Wednesday night. Vezilevsky looks like he will be the starter. On Wednesday, so the Islanders should get Jonas Johansson uh, on Thursday against Ilya Sorokin. I think the Islanders uh, just they look a different team under Patrick Waugh, and I'm, I'm I'm a fan, obviously. So, it, um, and I and I I would die for Patrick Waugh. So uh, maybe I'm a little biased here, but uh, I'll flip it over to you, Nick. It, I feel like you're you you might be a little impressed with the Isles here and think that now would be a good time uh, to go back to them. Yeah, I do think, you know, we deserve to give the Isles credit under Wall. I think we had, Mike had both kind of agreed, like they were pretty unlucky to be one, two, and one, and they were kind of due for some better luck. And they, they won a close one on Monday that they deserved, and it was a good game. I'm willing to buy into them. I think they're going to make this, like this is just one of those spots you will get a back-to-back -back for Tampa with Jonas Johansson and Net. I want to feel like the Islanders can pay that off, and they really have displayed a much better process under uh Patrick Waugh, they're owning a lot more of the chances. So I think they can get to Johansson here. I think that this number's just, I, I 
it, it seems crazy, but I kind of think in this spot, the Islanders deserve to be a much bigger favorite, and I like the chances they pay it off. And great spot. Mike loves to point out how bad the, uh, the Islanders get it from the schedule makers. They do. He's scared that... He I mean, of course, me they get the, the lightning on this back-to-back -back after the long break. Come on. You can't give us a true back-to-back -back for once? Come on. Yeah, when we are You know, if this if this was coming, like, in the regular part of the schedule, they would have made the, the Rangers be the second game. But they're like, all right, we'll, we'll make the Rangers play one of their – you know, they'll, they'll take the front end here because it's not a true back-to-back. -back. They're always thinking. They're thinking about all these things, the schedule makers, how to screw the Islanders. The, they're in their, the... Over there in their, their little – their layer, their bunker – under the NHL offices. It, it, yeah. They got a picture of Lou's face and they're just like, yep. yeah, like, how can we screw him today? This is um, the, the brainwashing number that you have done on me. It's really sad. <laughs> you know, my first year on the pod and it's, it's, it's sad. And, you know, I, I'm on the Islanders here um, fighting Patty was all the reasons you guys said. I'll also add to, you know, we yeah they got a bit unlucky um in that initial stretch with wall our wallets also i uh, could tell you that that uh it felt yeah. unlucky because i feel like i've been backing them um non-stop but the biggest difference for them i think in, in the eye test is just them playing their stars more it felt like you know barzell didn't come off the ice um in that game against toronto and that's what these that's what these teams do that that role in the regular season like the islanders like have especially under Lambert they make the the regular season so hard it's like go look at what Colorado does go look at what Toronto does they just go Edmonton they just go roll these guys out over and over again and look it, I probably cross that bridge when you get to it of wearing Barzell down if he's worn down in the Eastern Conference final the, you had a good problem like you right. know get these fourth liners off the ice um with with a minute left and you're trailing a goal like this is this is good stuff yeah, and I, I think you've put it perfectly, Tim. You can cross that bridge when it comes to it because there's too many games under uh, Lambert where it's like, why not? Where do you guys think you're at in the standings? I get it. If you're Vancouver or the Bruins or whoever, you're way up there. I can see how you want to try to manage some guys' minutes. But um, yeah, and also I think going back to, like if you want to go to uh, Barzell and Horvat props, that line is just dominating. And I think if this game's close again, and I also, I don't mind, like, I don't really know if I see this as like the Islanders having to win this thing 3-1 or 2-1 at all. I think with Johansson and Nett, they've been playing a more up-tempo style. They've been getting a lot of chances. I think they can, you know, actually win this game like 4-3 or whatever if, if need be. So I wouldn't hate targeting some of the Isles' big dogs. And, and part of the usage too, and I'm sure Mike would agree with this too, is like every game's been really close, if not Isles trailing. So that does go into it. But that's how it was all year. How many games went overtime? Right. So, like, I think they're this like it's probably going to be fairly close unless Isles kind of get a good lead early. And that was so. that was one of the criticisms of, of of Lambert was that the Islanders had spent, I believe, up until New Year's Day when the stat was making its rounds, that the Islanders had spent the fewest amount of minutes trailing in the NHL, and and they were like 18th in points percentage because they just would blow leads with 90 seconds left, and um, it, it was just horrible ma management of uh of minutes and s s situational awareness and all that stuff but uh, the one other thing i want to note is that Ilya Sorokin's numbers they look watered down compared to his career numbers with the islanders so they don't look elite but the guy is so has been so good and if the islanders had basically any other goaltending tandem in the league they'd be so far out of this playoff race the underlying numbers even kind of like 
portray him as being just like good, not great. I do think that there's room for him to, he's not going to win the Vesna, but to like put some pressure uh, on the guys above. If, if the Islanders go from being the worst defensive team in the NHL to being like 18th under Wah, his numbers just will naturally go up with the way he's playing. And he looked really sharp against uh, Toronto, which, you know, he got a, he got a break. He played like 13 games in a row when Varlamov was hurt and faced 40 shots a night. And uh, he looks fresh and, and ready to go. So, uh, I agree with you. you. You just need 50 math guys to be voting on it. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the thing. Right. Yeah, right. The private models I know have uh, Sorokin even higher, like way yeah. higher than Money Puck's model. And and I know Evolving Hockey's model is higher on Sorokin. Um, I don't know if they exactly how their system tracks pre-shot movement, but like the other private models I know have are way higher on Sorokin because yeah. I think the thing is they track a lot more of like why Lambert was so bad and why the team was just... And like the final comment too about the playing with the lead thing, like I think that's the if you're just going to roll all four lines every time you have a one goal lead, of course you're going to blow them a little more right. often because you're not putting your best players on the ice and you're not going for the kill. Or like I think a lot of the teams just play them a lot in any close game. So, oof. He didn't shout out great, to Lane. Yeah, he didn't do a great job. Um, but yeah, it, he he led us to Patrick Watt, and I'm having so much fun. Uh, it's still so weird to see him has a lick with an Islander logo on his pullover or whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's finish up with the Knights and Coyotes. You could argue a, a letdown spot for Vegas after ending on uh, Edmonton's 16-game winning streak in Vegas on uh, Tuesday night, and the Super Bowl's in town, so it was a, kind of like a, a show-out crowd and all these media people there. What, hockey is the only professional sport where like, when, when the NHL gets coverage on other networks, like it becomes a big deal. They, they treat it as if it's like, I would darts like I would get excited if darts was on Sports Center, but we still treat hockey like, like it's that. Which, frisbee. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy uh, to me. Um, but yeah, so that was a you know big night for them. Now they go to Mullet Arena to face uh, the Coyotes, who are coming off of the break. They haven't played yet, so you'd say that the Knights have an advantage here, um, and they're minus one forty eight. Coyotes plus one twenty four. Total of five and a half. This does seem a little bit low on Vegas, I would argue, even though we love our Coyotes here. And I would assume that it gets bigger uh, by uh, Thursday morning. Nick, what would you say like your threshold here is for betting the Golden Knights or Coyotes, whatever way you're going? Because I feel like this thing's going to move. I think it's going to move. I also think the other thing that's going to happen is Logan Thompson is going to get this start. Just um, it feels like a good one. Like I think the Knights are going to, you know, they've got a 1A and 1B duo here um, as much as I think Hill is just clearly way better. If you look at the numbers this season, Hill is leading the goaltending, like the meaningful goaltending categories by a significant margin. Yeah. Like his, he's been fantastic. His, he's been insane. It's almost kind of flying under the radar, like how far he's got a 938 save percentage. Um, I, I, can I tell you why I think it's flying under the radar? Because everybody last year said, oh, you don't need a good goalie to win the Stanley Cup, ignoring the fact that he played really good. So he was a good goalie, and now he's still playing. <laughs> he played insanely good. Yeah. And they yeah, defend really well. Yeah. Like I always think there's more 
that kind of goes away from the numbers and like being a team like Vegas that does pressure at the right times and you're always trying to shoot through bodies and, and like there's I think they do a lot of little things well to really help them thrive but at the same time like his numbers dating back to the start of the playoffs last year are ridiculous like they're he put up a 932 save percentage in the playoff run and everyone was like how the hell did he do this like were the Knights just that good is he that good and now this year's numbers are better so you're talking about hill insane. by the way yeah yeah so I was, watching this, hill. <laughs> I was watching this roller coaster right here um there, i zoned out but i think the reason is his name aiden hill is the most like under like assuming name ever like yeah, it, he, it, it he sounds no... like your buddy like yeah hey, my buddy aiden hill like he was a good player in college there was he nothing to him yeah. the only thing he had going for him was he was part of that 2015 draft where everybody turned into a star except for the three guys the bruins drafted in front of barzell connor and, and shillington like this is he doesn't have like it's because he doesn't have like an SK and a V in his name. Like all these, like these <laughs> yeah, exactly guys. what it is. Yeah, there's no <laughs> well, on his whole route too, right? Like he really, yeah. really grinded to get. He's from or he played a lot of hockey around here. He played uh, in Calgary, and actually, one of my best friends was his goaltending partner for a season when they were like 15. So familiar with the story, um, oh, and so it's kind of they have two Calgarians in their uh, in their tandem. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, and. Uh, Anyway, so I'm familiar with him and happy to see him doing good, but it's it's crazy. And yeah, to go back to the point here, I do think this price is pretty short. Like I think it'll move. And then what's going to happen is maybe there'll be a little buyback when it's Logan Thompson. But like right now, minus 148, that seems so short to me. And I I don't really see what the Knights have done lately to impress us. But like Arizona, you look at their side of things. It's been really bad. So I don't know. I feel the same way in leading Vegas. I'll say um, the two things that are scaring me off is one, leave off what you said in that uh, this was, they just came off a very watched game, very, you know, national coverage type game. And it I feel kind of square and being like, oh yeah, Vegas. Like, I feel like my reasoning for betting them will not be that they just beat Edmonton, but a lot of other people's reasoning will be that they just beat Edmonton. So I'm like afraid to be in that camp. And number two, they, you know, we've seen them play each other an awful lot this season. They both just kind of want to make this thing a staring contest. So I'm just kind of afraid it goes to overtime and goes the wrong way. Yeah, and I definitely see that part of it. Like, I don't love this spot for Vegas. And if you look at, like, what's been impressive about their gameplay lately, it's been, like, being opportunistic and getting goaltending. So, like, that doesn't make a strong case as a favorite, I don't think. Um, but also you look at what the Coyotes have been doing, and that's kind of the thing that makes it tough. I don't know. It feels like one of those numbers that just sucks you in, and then you're upset if you're wrong. But Okay, uh, that's all seven games. Let's Real quick, we can just run through what our, our favorite plays are for the night. Tim, uh, you can go first. Yeah, I, I called an audible. I originally told you guys um, in the rundown it was going to be Boston, but I was real convinced after our conversation on Carolina, um, not a great spot for Colorado. Played the stars too much. I just think it's a tough, tough spot for them to, um, you know, Carolina is the perfect recipe to kind of make you pay for that. So I'm going to be on the Carolina Hurricanes. Isles for me, uh, minus 120. I'll be in the building, 8 o'clock start on ESPN here in the States. It's appointment television to watch Patrick Waugh and Matt Barzell do their thing. Uh, everything's looking like it's heading in the right direction for them. They should have a huge goaltending advantage with – uh, Johansson likely to get the start for Tampa. So uh, I think that you want to get the aisles as early as possible here um, for their game against the lightning on Thursday night. And I, I, I don't mind backing them, uh, you know, aisles like 
a same game parlay of like Isles and the under too, because I do think that uh, this could be like just like a three four one uh, game with Sorokin in form. Nick, uh, what are your what's your favorite bet? I will co-sign that as, as favorite bet. I'm, I'm split on two. I think I like them both just for standard plays. Uh, the Isles and the over in the Avs Hurricanes game. As we kind of went into, the Canes are generating a lot of chances the last month. They've quietly been a really good offensive team. And I actually believe in the upside of their roster on that front. So I think they can kind of expose some of Colorado's flaws down the lineup and get theirs offensively. And then I like the chances that the Avs big stars find a way to put up two or three, four, whatever it is. So I uh, I think it's another one of these totals where I like, like the game to be pretty up-tempo and, and fast-paced. I think both teams are going to contribute to the total pretty often. So I like the over six and a half in uh, Avs Canes. Okay. And real quick before we uh, head out, uh, we have three games on Friday night and then a 13-game slate on Saturday that runs all day. So might as well just set you guys up for the weekend. Uh, some spots that we like as as far out as we can project. I will tell you, I'm going to be on Anaheim on Friday against the the uh, the Oilers. No idea where this number is going to go, but I assume it's going to be one of the biggest uh, of the season, even with Anaheim as the home team. So uh, I'll be uh, begrudgingly. Ah, that, ah, that's not true. That's actually a bold faced lie. I'll be. I'm excited to bet the Ducks in this spot. I said it on 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 uh, our last show that no matter how it happened, I could see the the spot being pretty good for uh for the ducks. I'm really interested to see where the Toronto Ottawa line opens because I think that people are starting to including us like come around on the sands like maybe they're starting to go the right direction but they're coming off the long break. The Leafs have, will have already played a couple games and uh I don't think Toronto I think Toronto could get overlooked a, a little bit. So if you can catch catch Toronto as like a short favorite like in that you know minus 140 range, minus 135, I I think they're interesting. Um, and yeah, I think Nick, you, t- you we kind of talked about the, the, the schedule with the, the caps coming up and it's just such a bear. I would have really liked to target them, uh, this weekend, but they, they've really pissed me off. So, oh, and, and I like to, I'm going to probably be on the Kraken against, uh, Philadelphia. I think that line is going to be really tight. So, um, I like Seattle a little bit more, even in a tough spot with them coming off the break. So those that's for me, what do you got for this weekend, Nick? Yeah, I think the Jets maybe um, in our favorite revenge spot is uh, versus they catch Pittsburgh back to back. I think that could be a good time to get on them. Um, and then what was the other? The one that I could see too is uh, I want to see where Buffalo opens versus the Blues. I think the Blues have been not good at all recently. I think they're kind of one of the bigger luck boxes. They make their return game from this huge layoff in Buffalo Saturday morning. I think if Buffalo's not a favorite in that game, I'll be betting them. So um, with that said, the play will be a favorite. I think I'd even go down to minus 120. And yeah, I like that. I think that's kind of the one spot that I'm expecting playable odds on. I endorse both of what you guys said. And then on Saturday, I would just pay attention. Um, some really good matchups. I'm just interested to see what the lines um, get spit out at. Um, LA and Edmonton, notable Colorado and Florida, notable Vancouver, Detroit, notable. Um, and as well as Leboff, you said it with Toronto and Ottawa, but Tampa Bay and goes to Columbus on Saturday and Columbus will have not played and that'd be Tampa's what third game. So yep. that'll be the um, fresh, but maybe tired uh, road trip spot versus a team that hasn't played. So um, depending on what your, your uh, stance is on those two things, um, that'll be a decision to make. Uh, Tim, I, I do want you to be the only person at the the sports book on uh, 
Friday night to be holding a, an Anaheim Ducks reverse puck line ticket. So now uh, you get on that. I will um, send you a picture. Yeah, please do. Uh, and that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back again for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week as we uh, head down the stretch toward towards the trade deadline. Um, and uh, hopefully we all are a little bit richer by the next time we talk. So for Nick and Tim, I'm Michael. Thank you for listening. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.